Good morning, church family. Good morning. Oh, magnet still there? Yeah, don't forget to pray this week. <clears throat> and by the way, happy Valentine's Eve, everyone. Um, hopefully you, your shopping's done. Mine is not. I, well, Carrie's watching, I'm sure. Um, but by the way, just so you know, I have the best Valentine in the world. Um, Carrie and I have been together actually about 32 years. Okay, it's our 32nd anniversary in December. Yes, we dated and got engaged like in less than a year. Um, we were ready though, we were old, whatever. But <clears throat> I love Carrie to death. Uh, when I was an intern at a church in Fountain Valley right outside of Huntington Beach, uh, while I was in college, it was my senior year. Carrie and her family uh, showed up to church, and by the way, she was in the college group. It's weird to say youth, you know, youth intern, hey, I met my wife in the youth group. No, it didn't happen like that. Uh, she had finished her AA, didn't know, really know what to do, was in banking. Her and her family started coming to the church, and we had an active college group that did stuff all the time. So I'm kind of getting to know her, right? I, I'm knowing some things about Carrie. Uh, and all of our friends, and of course, things, you know, I'm like, she could be the one. Um, and we, we do some more hanging out, not for long, because again, like I said, we got engaged and married pretty quick. But I knew about her, and hanging out, I knew more about her, uh, and probably still don't really know. No, I know your favorite ice cream, I think. Um, but there are some things I knew about her, and I'm like, you know what, I need, I need more. I need more of Carrie in my life. Um, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to commit. So I put a ring on it. Uh, and sure enough, we're still happily married uh, over 31 years later. But then I really got to know her. Because they don't tell you in premarital counseling, when you move in with someone, like, it gets real. I, I'm, when it gets real, like, there's, you got to share stuff. Like the bathroom and the kitchen and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you really get to know someone in a marriage, right? Uh, there's quite a difference between me knowing about her while we were dating and then committing, going all in, and abiding together in the same household. You get to know each other, right? Does that sound like something else that we've been talking about with Jesus? Are we ready to go all in? He's abiding in us. Are we allowing him to abide in us and us in him? Like, we've got to be all in. Um, but they're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. There's still a crowd. So turn with me to John chapter 7, verses 25 to 36. And this is a continuing conversation that Jesus is having uh, in, with this group in, uh, of Jews who are trying to figure out who he is. And we're going to see a little bit of this confusion right away. And <clears throat> they haven't quite figured out who he is. And, and he's going to show them and show us, it is more than just knowing about me, it is knowing me as Lord and Savior. And from that, your life is going to radically change. There's going to be a, an entire shift in your will, your plans, and all focused, all in with Jesus. So read with me John 7, verses 25 to 36. And even my little subheading thing says, can this be the Christ? So some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? 
but we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more than more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me, or where I am, you cannot come? So I want to look today at, at who Jesus is, uh, this knowledge, because there is some confusion of who he is, uh, and Jesus tries to clear it up yet again, claiming who he is and where he's from. And once we discover who Christ is, it, it really, we've got to get that right. Uh, if we just kind of know about Jesus and that's it, and we're not committing, we're not all in, then that is, uh, there's some dire consequences with that. Uh, we have to come to know Jesus, to know him as Savior and Lord. Uh, and so we've got to get it right. And then, then what? What does our life look like when we go all in, when we commit, when we know Jesus, and he is our Lord and Savior? What does our life now look and how are we to live that out? Uh, more than just knowledge, uh, it's so much more than that. So who is Jesus? Uh, verses 25 through 27 shows this confusion. Uh, the, the people there were like, wait, I thought you didn't want this guy around. I thought you wanted to kill him. Why is he teaching? You know, why is he even allowed in public? And then they were like, well, maybe the Pharisees know something we don't know. Maybe they do know he's the Christ. They're not doing anything with him. Uh, so they're trying to figure all of that out. And through this passage, we see that there are some that want him arrested. There are some that want to kill him. They know that, that uh, he's some great guy. He's done some great miracles, but he's causing a little bit of problem and some issues. So verse 30 says, so they were seeking to arrest him. And why? Because they thought he was a pretender. He's not really who he says he is. He's not really the Messiah. And the argument starts in verse 27. But we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So there's a popular view that the, when the Messiah comes, it was going to be like, ta-da, here I am. Uh, I'm here now. I'm going to rescue you. We're going to get figure out all the politics, all the oppression that's going on. I'm going to hear, I'm here to, to make life better for you. And that's what they were waiting on. They were waiting on some fanfare and this amazing moment when the Messiah would show up. And they kind of, if you look at Malachi chapter 3, there's a passage that talks about that the Lord suddenly appears. And let me read Malachi 3.1. And this is potentially where this was based on, this idea. Malachi 3.1 says, Behold, I send a mess my messenger, 
and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. So they're kind of ready for this ta-da moment, this wow, here's our Messiah, we're saved. But yet, here's this guy named Jesus from Nazareth, just kind of plain, you know, he teaches pretty well, pretty, seems pretty uh, learned, he's, he's done some cool signs, but he, we know where he's from, from Nazareth, you know, he's Mary and Joseph's son, and so they, they're missing it. They're, they're looking for something that, that isn't uh, what Jesus was meant to be and how he grew up and lived among us uh, as our Savior. But this group just thought, you know what? This guy is a fraud. He's a pretender. Let's kill him off, get rid of him, go back to a little bit of a normal living. You know, there's too much stress with this guy around. Uh, so there's a group that would prefer to see him arrested to kill him off. And then there's others who thought that he was the Messiah. Now, I kind of put maybe there, because if you look at verse 31, it said, yet many of the people believed in him. So there's a good chance that there are some there that knew, not just knew about Jesus, but knows him now as Savior and Lord. Of course, it then says, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? They're still kind of hung up on the miracles uh, stopping at the sign and not looking beyond that of who Jesus is. So there's still not really, there's still confusion of who Jesus is because they know about this guy, but they don't truly know him. And maybe their faith was real, maybe it wasn't. So then Jesus tries to clear it up, verses 28 and 29. <clears throat> and that word proclaim is cry out, like raising your voice, like listen. Now, he might have been a little fed up as as fully God as he is, but he's raising his voice now and says, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So Jesus is like, here again, how many times have we seen this all through the book of John? You know, I come from the father, the father sent me, I'm here on his behalf. And that phrase he sent me, sent by God, means that Jesus is eternal. Okay, he is always with the Father. He didn't just begin his existence when he was born to Mary and Joseph. He is God. He always has been God. He's always been with the Father. Back to John 1, 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, eternal God in human flesh, fully man, fully God. Uh, so it's a reminder of that. And then sent by God means that Jesus operated under the full authority of God. He didn't just kind of like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with those humans on earth, you know, try to straighten them out and do his own thing. <clears throat> no, he came under the authority that the Father gave him authority to come. The Father gave him the plan, his will uh, for him to, to, to live out, for him to show us Back in, seven, in John 7, 16, it says, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And then way back in 5, 19, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. So Jesus has relayed exactly what the Father told him to say, is doing the plans and the will of the Father as the, the Father has purposed. 
And therefore, to reject Jesus and his teachings, Jesus is saying, if you reject me and you don't know who I am, you're rejecting the Father. Um, and that, that continued to be offensive, especially to the Jewish leaders. And then to be sent by God means that Jesus was under the Father's protection. Remember, we talked last week about God's will, God's will for us, his purpose for us. And in that purpose, there's nothing that we can do to, to sit there and, and mess that up. Because he already knows the decisions that we're going to make. He already knows the mistakes that we're going to make, the life that we're going to live. In verse 30, we read, and this is kind of after uh, the officers have been sent to arrest Jesus. <clears throat> but it says, so they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid his hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. So even in this process of the officers on their way to arrest Jesus, they didn't touch him because it wasn't the plan yet. It wasn't the time. His hour had not yet come uh, because it was the Father's timing and his purpose, his will, that then at some point Jesus would be revealed as a Savior through the, his death and resurrection. So we know these things. And so Jesus, by all authority from the Father, has come and is trying to again help these people understand. And these continued claims of being sent from God and being God, finally the, the Pharisees and chief priests have had enough. They call for officers to come and arrest them. And they were especially offended by the way that Jesus was saying that they didn't know God. What do you mean know God? We know God. We study. Like that was their job, uh, to study, to get into the Word, to be in the Scriptures, but Jesus saying, you don't even know God, really know God. You know about God. You've studied a lot. You've memorized a ton. But you don't know God. The Jews prided themselves in knowing God or, or more about God. And that's this next piece is we can get the knowledge right, right? We can understand. We can understand all about God. But until we come to a saving knowledge of knowing Jesus as our Savior and Lord, that's a matter of life or death. Uh, there has to be the right knowing of Jesus versus knowing about Jesus. The Jewish leaders didn't get it. Jesus said, basically, you, the most religious, privileged, most educated people in the world, the people with the scriptures from God, by the way, you still don't know God. Uh, this is why you want to kill me, because I know God. I am from God. God sent me, and since you don't know him and you're missing the point, you're not recognizing me as the Son of God, as Savior. And if we don't know Jesus, and this is important for us, if we get this wrong, if we are only focused on the about Jesus and not knowing Jesus, there's going to be some dire consequences in our decision. And all throughout John, and I'll, I'll give you a bunch of uh, verses from the book of John, John 5, 23, says, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John 5, 42, I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. And then John 6, 45, from a couple of weeks ago, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And then John 8, 19 and 8, 42, that we'll get some point down the road, you know me, neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. If God were your father, you would love me. Here's this, I mean, all throughout John, Jesus is saying, 
it's great you know me as a man. It's great that you know me as this miracle dealer, this, this gr- sign, guy with great signs, gives you free food. It's more than that. You need to realize I am God. I come from the Father. And if you don't know the Father, you don't know me. You're missing the entire picture of who I am. Uh, and so Jesus is, is continuing, continuing uh, to give this message, to give this picture of who he is. But the Pharisees send for the officers to come and arrest Jesus. And the irony of this in this, in this passage is that it was not Jesus who was in danger, but those who wanted to arrest him. Look at verse 33 and 34. <clears throat> Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. He's warning them, look, if you don't get this right now, if you don't figure out who I am, there's going to be a time that I'm going back to the Father. And if you don't get this now, you're going to absolutely miss out. <clears throat> now, we know the beauty of the gospel. The, from this point on, we know that our, our responsibility, responsibility, our privilege is that this message of, of our Savior in the gospel, we get to spread that. And that good news is, is, was available once Jesus left and even available today for those who don't know him. But here is another picture of of this picture or this scene where Jesus is saying, if you don't get this right now, I'm going to end up leaving and you are going to absolutely miss this. Another passage in John chapter 12, which means we'll hit this all again, which is awesome. John 12, 35 says, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you. Remember he talked about, he is the light, came into the darkness, the dark world. Uh, The darkness ran from it, those in the dark. And he, come, he comes as the light. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, and that you may become sons of light. Uh, so with this reminder again to believe in Jesus as Savior, more than just know about him. And again, the people misunderstood and Jesus was saying, basically, look, in six, about six months, I'm going to go back to the Father in heaven. And if you don't truly know who I am, you just know about me, you're going to miss out and you will not be able to follow him. They're going to spend eternity in hell because they have missed out on Jesus as Savior. And what a contrast this is uh, with, with having the right knowledge and applying it to our lives. Here Jesus is saying, where I am, there you cannot come. And then later, what does he say? That where I am, there you may be also. So yes, if you don't follow me, you're not going to be able, you're not going to come where I'm going, which is heaven. And then later, and let me read to you from John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 3, says, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I, have not, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And then verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, you don't get it, tough luck. No, it's that I'm giving you an opportunity, and this is for us. If we get this wrong, and I pray that all of us have access to the, the knowledge of who Jesus is, 
and then to go to truly know him as Savior and Lord, that we have an eternity with him because of our accepting, believing in him as Lord and Savior. Uh, and so here's this contrast. But the, the majority of the people there still aren't understanding and knowing Jesus. And at some point, it's going to be too late. And so what an urgency, a reminder of the urgency of the gospel. That there are people in this world, there are neighbors, there are friends, there are co-workers, there are family members who don't quite get it uh, and, and need us to be able to continue to share the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to, to work in their lives, to pierce their hearts with the truth. And we have a great responsibility, not just responsibility, privilege uh, to be that voice, to share and to plead like Jesus is for those who are desperately lost and desperately need him. And then it's going from knowing about Jesus to knowing him and in that making the right choice. But then it's not just that, is it? It's not just, okay, I've, I've asked you to come into my heart, to abide in me and I in you, uh, but there's a life change that's going to happen. There's a heart change and a mind change that has to happen. And knowing that we have to be willing, and we talked about this a week or two ago, about our will matching up and not even matching up, but, but like going all in with God's will, there's going to be a radical change in our life. Um, and it starts with obedience. It starts with completely trusting and obeying Jesus in this relationship. I came across a quote from John Maxwell, said, most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. Okay, it's fine to go deep, but are you dealing with the knowledge you currently have? How many times do we get caught up, oh, I need to study more, and I need to understand more, and the more knowledge I get, the closer I'm going to be with Jesus. Yes, and absolutely, but it is more about obedience. Have you taken the simple facts of who Jesus is and applied it to our life? Have we given our lives over in obedience and total submission to his will, for our will? And I'm guilty of this as well. It, it is so easy to, you know, feel safe and, and comfortable with, oh, I came to worship service, Jesus, I'm good. You know, I read a couple of verses. No, it's so much more than that. Let me give you an example. Uh, my three boys, now they're all older now, and they have their own rooms they have to deal with. But when they were younger, we, Carrie and I discovered over many, many years of trying to parent and figure life out is if we gave them an assignment to do, go do the dishes, pick up the dog poop, whatever, you also have to kind of give them a timeline. Because I could say, hey, will you unload the dishes? And then an hour later, it's still not done. And they were like, well, you didn't tell me when I had to do it, right? I know no one else in this room has done that. So we were like, now we're, we've learned, look, okay, I need to give you a time. Please get it done by this amount of time. And that wasn't like, you know, some mean dad guy like, hey, you have five minutes. Get it done right now. I gave him a little bit of a window, a little bit of a choice. So imagine this. I tell the boys, you have an hour to go clean your room, okay? Get it done. I'll check on you in an hour. So I go back to whatever I'm doing, and an hour's up, and I come to them, and I go check their rooms. Still dirty. I'm like, what? So I go to the boys. I gather them together. I'm like, what? I told you to clean your room. 
they were like, well, Dad, you know what? We sat there and we thought about what you said, and we really tried to, to define the words and the tone that you were giving. We kind of got together and we studied what you were talking about and, you know, discussed it and, and tried to figure it out. Um, oh, by the way, we even learned it in Greek. Like, we know. Are you kind of getting the gist of where I'm going with this? How many times as Christians do we like, oh, I need so much more. I need to get more knowledge. I need to understand this more than, and, and we dig so deep into the knowledge, we're missing the point sometimes of obedience and following Christ, fully submissive. Yes, all of that, by the way, is uber important because we will fall more in love with Jesus when we are seeking more knowledge and getting into the depths of this book and into a prayer life where we are absolutely opening our lives up in prayer and in worship together. Yes, yes, yes. But please know, if we're not willing to be obedient in even the easiest and smallest of those things, we're missing out on so much more. John 14, 15, another John verse, says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this knowledge of Jesus is not just so that we can have this cozy personal relationship, our ticket to heaven. No, there is a radical change in our heart and our mind and our life because of that. I want our church, and you've seen the video and we've talked about this, of connect. Um, connect with God. And this is not just saying I'm saved, you know, oh, you're connected with God, that's great. Come to church, you know, go do a couple of mission trips. No, it is being transformed. It is this connection, this relationship with God that you're like, I can't get enough. I hunger and I thirst for the things of Jesus. That is a connection with God. That is my, my goal as a pastor to make sure all of you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you are all in with him. You are, you are giving your life to him. You are pursuing him in your prayer life in your Bible study, in your worship, you can't get, we can't get enough of Jesus that our soul thirsts and hunger for him. That is, that is my goal as a pastor. That is our goal as Christ followers. If we are going all in, our life is going to change. And by the way, when that transforms us so much, it affects how we connect with others and treat others, Right? It affects us how we treat others in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I hate that one. Okay, but our lives, our, the Spirit is at, at work in our life and transforming us to where it overflows from our life into others. People, this church needs to be the greatest place to come to be safe in our spiritual walk, to pursue him and to gather together to worship like we've never worshiped before, to dig into his word like we've never dug before, to continue to glorify him in all that we do, not to be divisive, but to be unified, for us to pursue him in all that we do and be excited about what God is doing, uh, more willingness to serve. We have desperate need for so much for us to do within the body of this church. And this is part of our week of prayer that we're going to get into, is we need to be all about continuing to pray about our church. 
and pray for the things that God has allowed us to be and to do. And it's amazing. I'm so proud of us as a church. I'm not saying we have, you know, we're failing. I'm saying there's so much more that we can do. And how much more radical will our, our church life be because of knowing Jesus and going all in and obedient. And by the way, as that continues to happen, what's going to happen next? The overflow of our obedience and love and pursuit and hunger and thirst of Jesus is going to bust through these walls and into our community, into our world, who desperately need Jesus. There's a lost world, a dark world, that needs the light and love of Jesus Christ. And we have the honor and privilege to be his hands and feet and his voice in his dark world. Uh, and so we have an amazing relationship. It's so much more than Jesus saying, all right, you know, check the box. Uh, Jesus, come on in, abide in me. No, it's, it's a radical change in our life. And it overflows into eternity. I cannot wait for eternity. I cannot wait to see. We get little glimmers. You guys sounded amazing during worship again, by the way. We get these little glimmers of how great and awesome it's going to be, but it's going to be indescribable what eternity is going to be like. And we can pursue that now. That is the, the passion and drive that we have in our relationship with Jesus now because we know him and not just about him. Please pray with me. Father, <clears throat> thank you for this morning that we are reminded of you desire so much more from us than just knowledge, just making sure we, we do the right things during the week and show up to worship and Bible study. Father, I pray for a longing in our soul for more of Jesus, uh, that we are all in in every aspect of our life, that we can never get enough. <clears throat> Father, help us for our hearts to be broken, for our, our hearts to be just open to more of you. Father, help us to be obedient. It's so difficult at times, but help us to seek you in all things that we do and to glorify you in every moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.